Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome, podcast listeners, to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. I'm joined with my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's podcast, we welcome special guest, Clint Carnell, the CEO of the Hydra Facial Company, a category-creating beauty health company. Hydra Facial recently announced a merger with SPAC Vesper Healthcare Acquisition in a $1.1 billion deal. On the podcast, Clint discusses the main appeal of the healthcare industry and the aesthetic segment specifically, details behind Hydrofacial's Razors Plus Razor Blades business model, surviving the pandemic as a PE-backed company, why he chose Vesper founder Brent Saunders as a partner in their SPAC merger, global growth opportunities available to Hydrofacial, and more. So with no further ado, here's our podcast with Clint Carnell, CEO of the Hydrofacial Company. Welcome, Clint, to the Absolute Return podcast. Really excited to have you on the show today. Uh, a ton going on at the Hydrofacial Company. Super excited for you guys. And uh, we definitely want to get into some of the intricacies and the details on your announced business combination with Vesper, Vesper Healthcare. Been a longtime follower of Brent Saunders, so was excited to take a look at the deal he put together. And it's looking like a winner so far. But prior to getting into that, you've had quite the long career in healthcare, effectively dedicating your entire career to this sector, including stints at Bosch & Lomb, Covidian. Can you walk us through a bit of your career history and how ultimately you became the CEO of the Hydrofacial Company a few years ago? Sure. Thanks, Julian. Uh, really, really a pleasure to be here. So thanks for your interest in the company. Uh, yeah, I came through my 20s, uh, sales and marketing, progressive uh, positions of uh, responsibility, primarily in ophthalmology. Worked for Johnson & Johnson, Chiron Vision, uh, and then was an M&A guy at Gambro Healthcare. Got my executive chops at Bausch & Lomb from 2000 to 2005, where I led the U.S. surgical business, which was cataract, refractive, vitro-retinal. Really exciting time as LASIK was, uh, was just hitting the marketplace. Uh, in 05, I was uh, running a pretty substantial part of Bausch & Lomb, but I really wanted to run these businesses, not be a, a professional manager of one. And so I joined a small company called Thermage at the time, you know, doing $22 million in, in revenue. Um, we took that public in 06, renamed it Solta Medical, and uh, created some of the well-known brands in the space today, Thermage, Fraxel, Claren, Brilliant. Got my first CEO gig, which was the typical venture capital, no revenue, you know, go back in the R&D place and learn how the stuff really works. And uh, Covidian picked me up, and I guess it was around 14. Joe Almeida was a CEO, uh, and he was looking to get into aesthetics. And uh, it was really formative for me because I was the, you know, the CEO in residence. We were just getting ready to pull the trigger um, on a couple of assets and get into aesthetics. I was going to be CEO of that group, and Medtronic bought them, and uh, they didn't want to be in aesthetics. So it, um, it was a kind of an interesting way that I got back into aesthetics. I, uh, I actually opened up um, with a partner uh, a chain of aesthetic centers, um, but more importantly, came back to uh, hydrofacial in, uh, I guess, July of 16, when uh, two of our uh, private equity partners uh, asked me to do diligence on the asset at the time. And uh, that's how I got back here. I was living uh, overseas, 
they asked me to look at the asset. And uh, when we won the asset in December of, of 16, I've been running the company ever since. And it's been just a fantastic uh, journey so far. That's great to hear. And it's notable given Brent Saunders' interest in the company. And you know he's famously a former CEO of Allergan of Botox fame. So he definitely knows the industry. And I thought it was notable how he indicated that a hydrofacial company was his first call once he got uh, Vesper up and running. So that's super yeah. interesting. But prior to getting into that, what was it specifically that appealed to you about the healthcare industry in general and then the aesthetics business that you ultimately came to focus on? Yeah, for some reason, I love healthcare. You know, I'm, I'm fairly analytical. I, you know, I've always enjoyed working with surgeons. They tend to be incredibly bright, incredibly uh, driven. And so it's just a really natural natural business partner for me. And I think that's why I've always liked ophthalmology, plastic surgery, dermatology, three of the top top ones. I would say I like aesthetics a lot more because you're not restrained with all of the uh, government reimbursement. It's a, it's a cash pay. So what I love about aesthetics is you get the best of business. You know, it's an honest transaction. You get a service or a product and, and you pay for that. And, and so all of the elements of traditional business exist. You have to have a great experience when you're dealing with your customers. Um, and then it's also in the healthcare field. So plastics, derms, medical spas, they're a lot of fun to work with. So for me, it gives me the creativity of being a business person without the you know, restraints around uh, insurance, but also keeps you in a really um, stimulating intellectual field with really, really smart people. And it definitely appears that aesthetics has a long and above market growth future, probably due to a number of themes happening. But let's get into the company's products. Notice that you have the hydrofacial signature treatment. Can you talk about for a bit how it works and also its competitive positioning in the market? For example, why would customers choose your products instead of a competitor's? Yeah, so I'll start with what the product does at its real core. Um, Our tagline is three steps, 30 minutes, the best skin of your life. And uh, in every hydrofacial signature treatment, we do three things really well. The first step is we cleanse. The second step, we extract. And the third, we hydrate. That happens to be the three best things you can do for your skin on a routine basis. It's like diet and exercise and, and, uh, and drinking water. So we're really, really good for your skin. What's exceptional about the hydrofacial treatment, though, is that it feels good. Most people fall asleep during the treatment. You look great immediately. You're glowing. And then we pull out this gunky canister, and we actually show you um, what we pulled out of your skin. And it has this kind of amazing and disgusting uh, connection with the consumer and the esthetician. Yeah, I bet. Uh, why do people put hydrofacial in their practice? Um, I think if, you know Brent says this, I think, better than I do. If you, if you look at the long uh, menu of services at most Medispas, uh, Botox is always called out by the category. Everything else is, you know, it's a laser, it's tattoo removal. Nobody's calling it by brand. I think hydrofacial is the only other product now in a med spa you're seeing asked for by name. And if you think about, um, we own probably 80% of the market and we've created a category we call beauty health because we believe healthy skin is beautiful skin and we don't make customers choose. So we're really looking to promote clean, healthy skin as a way of uh, acting, feeling, and, and believe in you're beautiful. And it's been a really, really powerful driver of the company. Now, with respect to how you guys generate revenue, I noticed that you offer both delivery system and consumables. So you've been with the company for a while. Was that always the intent to have this sort of uh, razor plus razor blade model where they constantly have to be you know, refilling these consumables and, and continuously offer them? Yeah, it's a beautiful P&L to run. You know, our customer acquisition cost is, is relatively low. 
And then we have really strong lifetime value, something your investors will intuitively understand. So once a delivery system goes in, and we put down about 3,500 to 4,000 new delivery systems globally a year, each one produces a predictable revenue stream to the company of five to $6,000 uh, per year. Um, why our customers like it is you can get a hydrofacial literally every other week. And so we have a really sticky consumer base that feeds our estheticians and our medical spas. And so everybody's in this really healthy ecosystem. It's kind of a flywheel of, of uh, profits for everyone. And it's very obtainable for the consumer. So everybody wins. Consumer gets $150 to $200 treatment, feels good. They look good. We show them what we pulled out of them. The esthetician or the med spa makes a predictable income stream. And we have very nice margins in both our delivery systems and our, and our consumables. So it's a really healthy ecosystem we participate in. And uh, everybody kind of wins. And that's unusual in business for everybody to win in the value chain. But this truly is a win-win-win. And now, a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest-growing alternative investment solution providers, with a suite of institutional-caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF, with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Yeah, and so providing a win-win-win uh, situation, obviously it flows through into your P&L. Um, but can you just go into a little bit greater detail on your how, how you achieve, in a granular basis, how you achieve those high net promoter scores and how you go about because another aspect that's really interesting is is the educational aspect with estheticians and with education and outreach. Uh, so a little bit more into that. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been in the C-suite now for, I guess, 15, I'm coming up on 20 years, which is frightening to say. And you make mistakes and you have some success along the way. Uh, I thought when we did diligence, we had such a beautiful product at its core. Let's build a company around that and create a category and let's do it the way we'd want to be treated. And so we did a couple of things I think were a little unique. One is uh, the company considers our customers truly our business partners. So when we asked our business partners what they needed from us, the esthetician was the common thread. She's actually the provider in that case. And she asked for education. She asked for help in marketing, additional technology. And so we've invested heavily, so heavily that we actually created Hydrofacial Connect, our new online university. I think in the next couple of years, we'll be the largest uh, educator and deployer of estheticians in the world. And when we've done that, she's incredibly loyal to us and actually works on our behalf. For instance, 80% of our, our social media postings are from our customers. They do it for free. They're amazing business partners. Um, secondly is most companies are always worried about the competition. And we thought, what about if competition's really awareness about good, healthy skin and making it simple for the consumer? So we call ourselves an and company. And if you think about hydrofacial, we work with everybody else and make them better. We're like we're like having a clean canvas for Botox, fillers, other laser treatments, uh, skincare. So we're an and company. That's been very, very powerful because it gives us a lot of friends in the community. And what we've done is we've taken the relationship with the consumer, the relationship with the esthetician, invested in that community. We've named it Hydrofacial Nation. And it's really the force multiplier that I think allows Hydrofacial to punch well above its weight. So let's get into the big news you guys recently announced, at least in uh, a few months ago, 
your business combination, going public transaction through the SPAC Vesper healthcare acquisition at a $1.1 billion enterprise value, obviously a massive step for Hydrofacial. And prior to getting into it, I just wanted to note, like Vesper IPO'd September 30th. This deal was announced December 9th, so just around two months between the IPO of the SPAC and then the definitive agreement on the business combination. So clearly, uh, the Vesper team was keen on the asset. They took no time to get a deal struck. Prior to getting into the details, how was it working with former Allergan CEO Brent Saunders on this uh, merger? He's amazing. Um, the backstory, uh, one is I've got a lot of respect for Brent and have admired him for many years. Um, you know, we've got some common thread with Bal Shalom, and then, and then obviously we were in the same space when he was running Allergan. Uh, when Brent was with Allergan, uh, we actually talked about uh, them acquiring Hydrofacial. So we got to know each other through that process. And for a variety of reasons at the time, it didn't work, namely that uh, we had only had the asset for about a year and a half. Uh, my private equity firm was not ready to sell. They thought they had a lot of value left to create. And so the deal didn't go through, but Brent was able to do some light diligence. We got to know each other. We stayed friends. And um, when, he, when his SPAC uh, came to the market, it was opportunistic for us. We were looking to go traditional IPO, and I had the company uh, really slotted to do that. But I felt with Brent, we got not just capital, um, but we got strategic capital with a guy with a lot of public market uh, experience. So I think if you look at our two career paths, uh, Brent's done an amazing job with some of the largest brands in the world. I've been a builder of brands in this category, and I think if we if we marry those two expertise and we do it the right way, you know, I think we can build a, a hell of a company. So I think we both are common common vision. Uh, we both start through the eyes of the consumer first. We build products and services that are carefully curated to be best in class. And I think that's why when you look at our NPS score, that's probably the thing that I think Brent, if he were on the line, would tell you he was most attracted to. You know, if you're going real, uh, our version of uh, Yelp, Real Self, we're at 99.7% worth it rating from consumers. Our estheticians give us an 80 on NPS. Uh, and we punch even above Botox, which previously had been the most successful NPS uh, product in the category. So I get a great guy with a lot of experience, uh, a common vision, and I think uh, we're just getting started really early innings. Seems like it was a great fit between Hydrofacial and Vesper and the team there. Lots of synergies. Previous relationship, as you noted, we're interested interested to hear, like in terms of your process, were you speaking to other SPACs? Was it a pretty competitive process or did you yeah. guys really already know kind of your pick of the litter? Yeah, very, very competitive. And, and you may be aware, Julian, that um, we, were, we had been last uh, last year, about this time last year, we were actually in a very competitive private equity process. And we had three of the, the most significant private equity players in the globe uh, down to the, the 11th hour when the world stopped spinning. And so the company went through a really difficult time. Um, I'll spare you the details, but it's been a, a tremendous turnaround story. What was really interesting is I think Brent was one of the first people to recognize that our business wasn't just going to survive, but thrive coming out of the pandemic. So, um, you know, we were in discussions to go public the traditional way. We had all the advisors lined up. We had our banks. I uh, hired a new CFO, Leanne Wu, who's amazing with public company experience. I'd upgraded the, the leadership team. And, and when Brent came with the SPAC, you know, there were other people, quite a few other people at the table. But I think he had the most compelling vision, uh, understood us the best. And, uh, you know, we were still in the middle of the pandemic with it getting worse. But I think what I was really encouraged about is he saw he saw through past the pandemic and uh, gave me a lot of comfort that we could build a great business, you know, through it and on the other side. 
Right. And obviously, the pandemic was a pretty difficult time for the company and, and the team. But I wanted to get into that a little bit. Uh, I would like some details uh, because it, I find it really interesting in, you know, what was the general effect of the pandemic on the company? Obviously, your, your revenue was affected specifically last April. But, you know, what exactly happened and how did your team work through it? Yeah, it was devastating. You know, I never want to live through 2020 again. I'm, I'm proud to say, you know, with a little bit of hindsight now, we've built a better company. And I'll, I'll share some of the things that we were able to do while, while the business is shut down. We were last March, you know, coming in well over 20 million in revenue and had been up into the right. It hit every quarter since ownership. And uh, believe it or not, in April, we did negative 1 million in sales. I've never even, I've never, I didn't know you could do <laughs> negative sales, but we had returns come back. Uh, May was pretty anemic. June was pretty anemic. Uh, but by September, we were basically back to 19 levels, which is just incredible when you think about it. Uh, we sold over 2,000 delivery systems during the pandemic and uh, really, really pleased. We published our Q4, and I think you know people have been pretty surprised about how well the company's done. What did it do to the company? We literally went from a company that had been up and to the right its entire ownership period uh, to having to furlough about 85% of all employees. Uh, fight for survival because we were in the middle of a process with, with you know, a skinny balance sheet. And uh, my investors stuck by us, put some more cash in the balance sheet. Uh, we trimmed everything we could. And then we did a couple things to help the fight on COVID. We took up a scheduling for telemedicine with one of our sister companies that got hit by COVID real hard. So we were on the front lines of taking you know, consumer calls about thinking they were going to die back in March and April. Uh, we helped a local company here with R&D because they got a grant from the government to take their pediatric ventilator and modify that, which was really rewarding. They just got uh, emergency use approval here a couple of weeks ago. And then we, we popped up a mask business and we actually outfitted the aesthetics business with a really cool copper mask that, um, that was really just a step under N N95. So we did that to put some cash in the balance sheet and then our business started coming back. What we did is we kept engaged with our estheticians. They were scared. Um, so I kept a lot of sales and marketing leadership in place you typically wouldn't because I believe if we came back fast, I didn't want to have to rehire leadership because my leaders globally would know who to hire back. And so I'm really pleased I sit here today. We've hired back every furloughed employee and uh, we decentralized. We kind of went towards a wartime leadership where I decentralized decision making. But we had a really a strong platform uh, right here in California on the message that we took out there to our marketplace. And, you know, it worked out far better than I ever would have imagined. Um, and really, really proud of, proud of the leadership team and, and all the employees that um, that muscled through COVID-19. And was it difficult being owned by a private equity firm to go through that specific, you know, difficult experience, just given, you know, typical private equity firms do utilize, you know, more debt, more leverage on the balance sheet? Was that a consideration of some of the steps that you had to take? Yeah, I mean, we had um, over, we still do over $200 million in debt. You know, we had done a, um, a full dividend recap about 18 months into our ownership. Companies never even come close to covenants. And all of a sudden, you have no revenue and $200 million in debt. So you can imagine, you know, scary times. But um, they were really thoughtful. Our lenders were incredible, too. They gave us the necessary time to get our feet under us. And so, you know, I'm pleased to say everybody's going to come out on the other side of this. Our investors are going to do quite well. They're rolling a very significant portion of their investment and will stay on the board. Uh, our lenders have been fantastic and said they'd like to line up again if we ever needed debt, but we're going to have a debt-free balance sheet and we're putting $100 million of cash on the balance sheet. Um, and uh, so everybody's stuck together. And, um, you know, we were having several hours of calls a day. We were all scared as hell. 
but uh, we, we went through the fog of whatever that was. And uh, I think we emerged just a far stronger company. Yeah, certainly. And you mentioned the much improved balance sheet once this transaction closes. It includes a $350 million pipe financing cash from the uh, Vesper SPAC as well. Now, you mentioned potentially considering a traditional IPO. You ultimately went the SPAC route. What key advantages did the SPAC provide such that you went that route as opposed the, to the traditional IPO? Yeah, I think for us, the SPAC route probably as a vehicle um, didn't make a darn bit of difference. I think it's Brent and, and the fact that we've combined together on this because we had to audit three years of financials to become peekaboo compliant. Um, so we might have arguably gone IPO with two years of financials audited and been here faster. So if anything, maybe it slowed us down a little bit. But I think it's what I talked about earlier, having strategic capital, having somebody that's well recognized by the capital markets out there as a deal maker. Um, and certainly, you know, a guy that had run one of the most successful brands, Botox, probably that uh, that hydrofacial has a lot of similar characteristics too. So I think, you know, when I look at it, it, it bugs me when I turn on CNBC or you know, open up the Wall Street Journal and see all the criticality around SPACs right now, because this is a real asset. Um, this has, you know, 50% kegger, you know, really nice tough line, almost the same. And, uh, and we have a, a really specific executable master plan that we're executing on quite, quite well. So I think this would be a great public company. I'm really bullish. And uh, the SPAC is probably just a, a you know, a non-factor in our particular case. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, symbol 1C, ONEC on the TSX is Canada's first alternatives portfolio solution, providing exposure to six alternative asset classes, 10 alternative strategies in one easy to use, one choice ETF that charges a management fee of just 0.2%. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF trades under the symbol 1C ONEC on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Yeah, where it's really not not as much a SPAC story as as like you mentioned. I mean, positive EBITDA, um, you know, secular a secular trend as well. Um, when when you're looking, we're kind of moving forward from the difficult times uh, of last year, and now you're looking at kind of the outlook for where to put that capital to use. What what sort of growth opportunities are you seeing? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Michael. And um, we've got what we call our master plan. We, we have it out there for all the world to see. We've been executing upon it. Um, the first step is we're going to continue to sell a lot of product. And those products are very profitable. So uh, this is a growth story. It's a land grab. Um, so we want to keep getting delivery systems out there uh, closer uh, to people around the globe. You know, a lot of people have skin on this earth and we want to be closer to them. And we're just early some of these markets. Um, Second thing is we're going to continue to invest in our providers. Uh, they've been amazingly loyal. It's amazing just using good business partnership principles, how well they'll respond. We, we shoot straight with them. I hate the word authentic and transparent. We just shoot straight when there's an issue. We work with them on developing our products and services. We keep them involved in our business. So we'll continue to do that, including Hydrofacial Connect, which we're just graduating some of our first master class. Um, now we're moving to vertically integrate closer to the consumer. We've had success with things like World Tour and pop-up shops, but we're going to double our marketing ex uh, expense. Um, and a lot of that's going to be that we're going from a B2B 
to a B2B to P company. So we've got e-commerce, we've got a home product coming. Um, we've got a pop-up shop in London right now that had to shut down. We've got 2,000 consumers on the waiting list. 85% of them never had a hydrofacial. And the only reason they can't get one is because London's not open yet. So we'll do more things like that. And then lastly, we've got a, a family of products coming out in early 2022, which are going to connect that community we're talking about. So uh, our professional device, our handheld device, uh, the app that we currently have in, in Alpha, it's going to connect our entire, entire universe so that we can treat consumers wherever, whenever, and if we do it right, forever. And we'll be sharing a lot of data back and forth, just making their skincare journey that much easier. And, and we call that beauty health. Uh, I think if we do that, um, we can really help consumers navigate a better journey. If you think about hydrofacial work, the most efficacious thing in beauty, you know, which tends to not have a lot of clinical evidence, but the most approachable thing over in medical aesthetics, where a lot of times they're expensive, they hurt, they scare people. So I think this idea of beauty health is a really powerful concept. We take the creation of the category that we've helped define really seriously. And, and I think if we continue to do what we've been doing, it should be a, a formidable company for many years to come. You mentioned effectively creating this category, beauty health, your significant market share, global growth opportunities, and uh, really just the fact that everyone has skin and, and wants it to look great. Uh, but for investors kind of new to the story, considering potentially investing in hydrofacial stock, can you provide just a quick elevator pitch why they should consider this stock uh, instead of any other healthcare sector-focused company? Yeah, so uh, personal care services were already a huge macro uh, trend. When you look at millennials, you look at Generation Z, you look at more men, more people of color. Uh, personal care services were big before the pandemic. And if anything, staring ourselves on Zoom and being locked up in our apartments and houses, um, personal care service looked to be coming out with stronger interest from the consumer. So one is you've got a very strong macro trend. Um, the earliest entry point is hydrofacial. So when you're transitioning from like makeup and hair dye and and things like that, and you're going towards more significant uh, medical aesthetics, we're really right there to be that bridge and the first thing a consumer is likely to be in. And, and we can treat younger because we're more affordable. Um, we don't hurt. We're not abrasive, so we can treat older. And we aren't biased against your skin color. You can treat black people, white people, and everybody in between. And because it doesn't hurt, more men are in. So you got a big macro trend. You've got favorable demographics where we sit right at the epicenter. Um, and then this company just has a fantastic financial profile. I mean, the 50% top line kegger, about the same on the bottom line over the last four, four and a half years. You know, we're coming out of this pandemic and I see the exact same type of profile for this company on a go forward basis. We've been producing 25% EBITDA consistently for our private equity partners. We're changing the investment profile a little bit. You know, we've committed to 14% EBITDA as a percentage of revenue, um, but that still will be a really fast growing company, huge market opportunity and profitable. So I think you get all the benefits of a high growth company, but with a really nice P&L. Thanks for sharing everything today, Clint. Before letting you go, where can investors find out more about the Hydrofacial company? Yeah, so we currently trade under Vespers ticker, VSPR, but you can go to hydrofacial.com. We'd love to have you join the Hydrofacial Nation. And uh, best thing I can tell your investors is go get a Hydrofacial. And uh, if you get it, you tend to get it. And I think you'll find that you've got a great treatment. Uh, it provides an amazing experience. And it's fun if we can all make some money doing that as well. So we're deeply committed to creating a lot of shareholder value, building a great company. And uh, like I said, there's a lot of people out there with skin on this planet. We just want to get closer to them, make them aware of the hydrofacial company. 
Yeah, well, there you go. A nice pitch for the product. And if you like it, then perhaps check out the stock. So thanks so much, Clint, for joining us today. Really exciting to have you on the show. And we wish you the best of luck as you guys complete this going public transaction through Vesper trading as VSPR, if you guys want to check it out. So thank you very much. All the best. Gentlemen, thank you. Cheers. All right, cheers. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast, Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.